this is Evan Mark Katz, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love, welcoming you back to the Love You Podcast, a place where you can learn everything you need to know about dating relationships, sex, and men from a man's point of view. Today, I'm going to teach you a few tricks to help you bring out the best in your man. And before I do, right, because uh, again, this is this. Is going to be a great podcast. I'm going to give you the keys to the castle, right? One-stop shop. You can learn everything you want to know about having a healthy relationship and making a guy feel great around you. But no matter what I say, I've discovered there's always going to be someone who says, but men. Anytime I give advice to women, which is my entire job, there's some woman who says, but men. And so I want to address the but men people. I understand that You've been mistreated by guys, you've chosen the wrong guys, and you've been a perfect girlfriend. And if you've been a perfect girlfriend, then, then you already know everything I'm about to say. It's not a criticism of you. Right? This is for people who feel like they have something to learn about understanding men, communicating with men, connecting with men, and maintaining long-term relationships. It is not excuse, an excuse for any male misbehavior. Right, telling you how to bring the best out in your man. Believe me, if I were a dating coach for women, there would be an equivalent podcast of how to bring out the best in your woman. So most of this advice is universal. I just don't want anybody to be like, you know, get all attacking on me because I give advice for women because I've just I've been through it too many times and it's exasperating. It's really, really simple. There's good relationship behavior and it's universal. I just happen to be a coach for women. With that out of the way, um, I want to cite um, something that, that I learned eight years ago. Um, I had a serious girlfriend. Um, that girlfriend ended up becoming my wife. Six months into the relationship, everything was swimming. And I, I remember asking her, what, what are you doing? Why, why are you different than any girlfriend I've ever had? And she was sort of stunned by the question. It is an unusual question, but I had, had, have an unusual job. And I said, if you could take the time to think about what you do that's different than other women, I want to share it with my readers. And I ended up sharing it on my blog. It was called Advice from a Single Dating Expert's Girlfriend. Um, I republished it in my Why He Disappeared book. And it's a lot of women's favorite section of my book, Why He Disappeared. And it's the only one that was actually written by my wife. So these are three foundational pieces of wisdom on how to bring out the best in your man. The first one is called not surprisingly, don't cry wolf. Um, and all that means is that it serves everybody well to be, and your man as well, to be even-tempered, right? To not make a big deal about everything, because if you make a big deal about everything, then nothing is important. Um, if you call attention, you set those boundaries, rarely he's going to pay very close attention. If literally every word out of his mouth gets dissected, and every day he comes home only to find out what he did wrong that day, um, he's going to feel micromanaged, criticized, not good about himself, uh, and is either going to shut down within, within, within your relationship or want to leave. Right? So the best course of action is, hey, if a guy has crossed a, a boundary, right, choose your spots on talking to him. Um, so when you do, you're going to get your way. So the best example of this don't cry wolf phenomenon, uh, my wife wrote this again in Why He Disappeared, and it was, it was six months into our relationship. I Probably two months into our relationship, I was invited to an out-of-town wedding uh, college friends in New York. And I RSVP'd yes, and I didn't know how strong my relationship was or anything like that, um, where it was going to go. 
I RSVP'd yes for one. Six months later, we're still together, and I figure, ah, it's no big deal. I'm going to go to this, you know, I'm going to go to this wedding. I'm going to catch up with my college friends. My girlfriend at the time doesn't know any of them. You know, uh, I'll be back in a couple days, and that's it. Uh, and I thought that was perfectly reasonable because, again, I RSVP'd to this thing before we were even serious. She was silently upset that I didn't take her to the wedding, and she got doubly upset when another friend of mine who had a new girlfriend that he was excited about called the bride and asked for a special dispensation to get a plus one. Right? He went the extra mile. I did not go the extra mile. And, um, and so, so I told my wife about this, and I, she was my girlfriend at the time, and she was pretty upset. While I was at the wedding, it, it kind of sucked because everybody was there as couples for the most part. I, I ended up having fun. I texted her a bunch of times. I said, I wish you were here. The whole thing, I was, you know, transparent, uh, apologetic. Uh, when she got home, when I got home, she, she didn't, like, lay into me. She just said that, she, you know, she'd been thinking about it, and she was really disappointed that I didn't make the extra effort to figure out how to bring her to the wedding, given that we'd been together for six months. And because in six months, she pretty much never complained about anything I did, how I treated her. I'm not saying I was an exemplary boyfriend, uh, but she pretty much had no questions about my character or behavior. The fact that this was the first time she'd ever said, hey, I think you missed it on this one. I paid very, very close attention, validated her concerns, right, and vowed to do better uh, the next time around in which there was a similar situation. And that's technically, of course, all, all I could do was, was own my piece of it, apologize, and, and vow to do better. She handled that like a champ, and to me that's a perfect example of not crying wolf. You don't make a big deal about anything until something actually is a big enough deal that's worth saying something um, that will prevent him from feeling like he's you know, the proverbial henpecked husband. The second piece of genius advice my wife gives, and again, it shouldn't be so genius, it's called the golden rule. Treat, treat other people the way you want to be treated. This is surprisingly hard in relationships because when you have a history of dysfunction, when you've chosen the wrong people in the past, right, the story that you end up telling is, I was a great girlfriend. I ironed his clothes. I made him dinner. I gave him sex. I listened to him complain about his job. I was perfect. And look what I got. He cheated on me. So that just goes to show that you shouldn't be that generous with a man. Now, that's not what it shows at all. Right? And that, the only thing that shows is that you chose the wrong guy. Right, who didn't appreciate all the things that you did. Right, it does not mean you pull back from being a great partner. Right, the golden rule is essentially giving equal weight to someone else's point of view, and that's hard to do. It really is hard to do, to, to step out of your own shoes and put yourself in his shoes. And say, why would he do that? This person that I know and love, who cares about me and wants to make me happy, why would he do that? They're a, a decent example of this golden rule principle is, um, again, early in the relationship, because this was written before I got married to my wife. I had tickets to a classical music concert at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, it was a thing to do. We'd go with a picnic and, and uh, sit out under the stars and listen to classical music. Um, not a big deal. Um, but I made a commitment to my girlfriend to do that. And so when I was invited to a friend's bachelor party, not a particularly close friend, but a friend's bachelor party, whitewater rafting and camping along the Kern River, I was like, my first inclination was to, you know, just RSVP. No, sorry, I, I have, you know, I have plans that Saturday night. I can't, 
can't ditch my, my uh, girlfriend. I told my girlfriend about it. And she said, what are you talking about? You're going to give up a weekend, a coveted weekend. You never see your guy friends. You're going to give up a weekend with your guy friends to go to a two-hour classical music concert with me? Don't be ridiculous. Go, go to your bachelor party. That is golden rule stuff. Now, my wife wrote, why do we expect, as women, right, men to make sh such supreme sacrifices to be with us? Because if the roles are reversed, my, my wife or girlfriend says, honey, I just want to take a, you know, I want to go away on a spa weekend with, with my three girlfriends from high school um, at, in Sedona or something like that. Right? She wouldn't think she was asking special permission. She, she'd be basically saying, this is what I'm doing. I just wanted to let you know. But men have been often so beaten down that, and, and again, this is me after 300 dates. This is, this is my, the last of 300 women, but maybe the first person who didn't make me feel bad for wanting to do something selfish that took time away from her because sort of objectively it was, it was the greater good was for me to go away on this weekend and missing a concert was no big deal. She would just ask a friend. Um, the more we could do that role reversal with each other, and again, men should do the exact same thing. Right? The more generosity of spirit we show in relationships, the better relationships we're going to have, almost objectively. The last thing I want to talk about from my wife's advice is something that she calls mulligans. Now, of course, she's Irish. It's not surprising that she'd come up with the term mulligan. When you, when you play golf, you hit a shot into the trees, you kind of pretend it didn't happen, you put down another ball. A mulligan is essentially a do-over. My wife gives me lots and lots of do-overs second chances, third chances, right? starting with the assumption that your boyfriend wants to please you. That's the job he signed up for. He wants to make you happy, and if he's making you unhappy, it's certainly not malicious unless he's a psychopath. It's probably clueless or accidental for the most part. And again, I can't think of too many instances where a guy who purports to love you is like, hmm, how can I kind of fuck with her and make her unhappy today? doesn't happen. Usually when you're unhappy with your boyfriend, it's clueless. And that's where mulligans come from. Um, no, no two people on earth think exactly the same. And the person that you're dating is not going to think exactly the same as you or act exactly the same as you would in the same situation. Which is why I'm always surprised when women are so surprised that men aren't mind readers and don't do exactly what you want. That they need some nudging or forgiveness. Right? Um, the three things I wrote here is he's not always going to read your mind and do what you want. It doesn't mean he's going to think things through the way you think them through. And it doesn't mean he's necessarily going to agree or draw the same conclusions. So what we see is that very normal good guys, and again, we could do a gender role reversal on this. I happen to be a coach for women. There are very normal good guys who are treated by their partners as if their behavior is abnormal, right, or weird when it's just he's viewing the world through his prism, which just happens to be different than your prism. Right? My wife's calculation is always not do I agree with everything that Evan does, because of course she doesn't. Right? I mean, I don't know. We saw a play last night about a person who gets into heated conversations at dinner parties. That's me. She doesn't agree with that. She's like, Evan, why are you making everybody so uncomfortable? Why do you always go there? Right? But she accepts that that's a part of me. Right? That comes out from time to time where I don't always draw the line properly. Not proud of it. It's a piece of who I am. Right? Um, 
she's chosen not to let it bother her too much. But if I do something that really does bother her, she's going to say something, right? So it's mulligan, 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 no big deal, no big deal, no big deal. Here's something where she actually said something. Uh, once again, early in our relationship, right? in fact, right before I met my wife, one of the last people that I had a crush on was someone that I met on a singles trip. I was actually working for JDate, giving dating and relationship advice, and I met a woman there, and I had a big old crush on her. Nothing happened. She chose some doctor from New York. So she chose, chose this other guy. Uh, this is in like December. Uh, January, I meet the woman who would later become my wife. And so, again, nothing ever happened. It was an uh, unrequited crush. Um, she was in the entertainment industry. I was marginally in the entertainment industry. And uh, one day, she came to LA and she said, hey, would you like to go to dinner? Like, I'm in town for a couple hours. You'd like to go to dinner? And I said, sure. And again, just nothing. We were at like a diner. Uh, nothing was going to happen at dinner. And I told my girlfriend at the time, I'm, I'm meeting this girl, and here's the circumstances. I'm, I'm very comfortable, I'm very transparent. And my girlfriend at the time was, was again, surprisingly, just like the, uh, the, the, the previous thing we were talking about, mulligans, she was kind of upset. Um, and most women would agree with her. Right? I still don't agree. Like, this is one thing where two people just don't line up. She said, well, you know, this, I don't think you're going to do anything. I trust you. It's just weird that I don't get to meet this girl. I said, well, why, why would you meet this girl? Like, I barely know her. We met on a trip. We talked for a few hours. She's in town. She doesn't know anybody in LA. We're going to meet her for dinner and, and that's it. That's, we're going, and I'm going home. She's not a part, a really big part of my life. So why would I introduce her to you? You're a total stranger. You're just going to sort of sit there at dinner while I, you know, talk to this woman about you know, the entertainment industry and, and the people that we met on our trip. So my logical reason was not that I'm trying to hide it from her at, at all, because I, I voluntarily told her, but rather it was sort of unnecessary to bring her. Hers was not that she was jealous, because she's really not a jealous person. She just thought that she should be integrated into all aspects of my life. And so I ended up going on this dinner without her, um, and everything was fine and nothing happened. Um, and she forgave me. And we've had a really, really nice relationship ever since. It was not, you know, uh, it, it did not blow things up. The only reason I'm really bringing this up is imagine everything that I said or did got dissected like this, right? This is what my wife said. How could he, Evan, ever feel comfortable speaking freely? How can he ever be himself? And the answer is he couldn't, right? Evan would end up feeling like he had to walk on eggshells around me for fear that I will interpret something he says in a way that could upset me, even if it's not his intention. So then he'd have a different persona with me than he does with any of his other friends. We women do not want to have, have to act differently in our relationship than we do in our work or with our girlfriends. So we shouldn't force our men into that awkward situation by jumping all, all over everything they say. And so this is, again, I, I didn't tell that story in, in, in hopes of making myself look good. I probably looked like the bad guy in that situation. My only point was that most things should not be deal breakers, right? Because two people could look at the same thing and be good people and just have a different take on it. And when one makes a big deal about that, uh, it causes greater friction in a relationship. My wife didn't have to like swallow anything uh, 
big. This wasn't a, a huge affront. It was largely about accepting the fact that this is my boyfriend. He's, you know, he's the guy who knows lots of women wherever he goes, but I trust him. Um, I wouldn't do it this way, but I get it and I'm going to let it go. Um, and I am so grateful that she, she does that and I do the exact same thing in return. Um, that's the kind of thing that you're trying to establish in a relationship is this generosity of spirit, consistently giving and allowing freedom within a relationship. Some people say relationships restrict freedom. A good relationship does not. It opens it up. You can be yourself and you can do what you want and you have a partner who gets you and has your back. Um, and if you're with a guy who for whatever reason doesn't get this, where you give and you give and you accept and you accept and he doesn't appreciate it, get yourself a new guy. Don't stop being generous to your guy. I'm gonna let that sink in for a second and when we come back, I'm gonna give you a couple other tricks for bringing out the best in your boyfriend. My name's Evan Mark Katz, this is the Love You Podcast and I look forward to seeing you after the break. Hey, this is Evan Marquette, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. Welcome you back to the Love You podcast, where you're going to learn everything you need to know about dating, relationships, sex, and men from a man's point of view. We are continuing to learn a couple tricks to help bring out the best in your man, and I want to open the second half by relating a couple anecdotes about actual clients of mine. Um, they are going under different names, so forgive me if I forget their <laughs> their fake names. Uh, one of them we're going to call Sally. She's 37. She lives on the East Coast. She's a small business owner. And she was complaining to me in our coaching sessions that her boyfriend wasn't affectionate enough. Uh, in fact, the guy she was seeing made her feel like she was in an inconvenience. Uh, ever since I started seeing you, I've just had less time to myself and less time to my friends and I'm falling behind with my work. And, and he's laying all this stuff right, on her. And she has every right to actually feel bad. The problem is when she addressed it with him, she didn't address it in a healthy way. She, she addressed it by attacking him, right? Um, and attacking never works, right? And it invokes the fight or flight mechanism. Guy either shuts down or fights back. So instead of um, saying, you know, it makes me feel bad as your girlfriend, right? When you lament all the inconveniences of having a girlfriend, and I know you wouldn't want to make me feel bad, but inadvertently that's what you're doing. That would be a way to address it. She ended up attacking him. And he got upset because he felt attacked. So what she realized, she reported back to me, she was very attuned to her feelings being hurt, right? How dare he say these things, right? And again, it's not that she was wrong. How dare he say these things? Um, what she was less attuned to, as all of us are, was how her words hurt him. Right? And that's interesting. To me, that's just like something to hold up and, and look at. Right? We're all very attuned to our own sensitivities when people say things that slight us intentionally or otherwise, and it's usually not intentional. But we're a little bit clueless when we say things that hurt other people. And so that was part of being coached was, you know, I, I let her know that there are ways to say things, and the way you said it was was um, negative and emasculating and attacking and insensitive, and it doesn't forgive him being insensitive to you at all, right? In fact, I encouraged her to break up with him, and she later did, right? That's 
almost irrelevant to the story. The real point of the story was that what she forgot was that men have feelings too, right? And she's not the only one who's being slighted when, when she brings up an argument. There are ways to do things that are more effective than others. Tammy, another fake name, is 60, and she, this is, again, this is a, a, a trick to help you with the guy that you're seeing. She did something that I hadn't heard before. She told her boyfriend that he was such a turn-on when he was vulnerable, right? And it immediately changed his mood. Now, this guy was kind of an, an alpha male, right? Um, very prideful, very opinionated, very critical, um, very generous, very loyal, very passionate, just a lot of, a lot of man, right? But my client liked it when he softened and he showed his vulnerabilities, right? And that, what, that freed him up to actually be authentic and vulnerable and not act tough. She encouraged to see that part of him and he was w more than willing to show it and it's the kind of thing that brought him, them closer as opposed to what most men do. They'll bottle up their feelings or shut them down or redirect them in some other unhealthy way. Guys are taught that sometimes uh, emotion is a sign of weakness. So he was afraid to show weakness around his girlfriend. That's the way he was wired. Right? So this is one, just one tiny way that one of my clients brought out a better side in her guy was by encouraging him to be vulnerable and share his weaknesses with her. She wouldn't judge him for it. She would actually love him for it. She's exhibiting on the principle of unconditional love the same exact way you'd want a guy to do it for you. Honey, I love you despite the fact that you're insecure about this, right? It doesn't matter that, you know, your body changed after you had the baby. That's, I love you anyway. That's exactly what you want to hear. And believe it or not, men want to hear that kind of thing too, right? Encouraging men to be themselves and offering them the cover of full acceptance. And that's something that's really rare and special. I said it before and say it again. That's the reason I'm with my wife. 100% acceptance and I've never experienced it before or since. I think it's important to reiterate, and I know I repeat myself sometimes, but sometimes I do it intentionally. I think it's important to reiterate that you may be with a, a guy who's fatally flawed and all of your criticisms of him are 100% valid and they are in fact deal breakers. That's perfectly fine. Uh, it just means you shouldn't be dating that guy. Right? It doesn't mean you should become a worse person, a worse communicator, or a worse girlfriend because you have crappy taste in guys and you stuck with the wrong guys for too long. Full acceptance doesn't mean accepting the unacceptable. It's being able to distinguish what is and what is not. Ultimately, the question is, when you have a good guy in your hands, how are you gonna best communicate with him? So take this, right, I'm gonna put it up on the screen, take it to the bank. Do not make him wrong. And again, if I were talking to guys, do not make her wrong. It's the same thing. The second you make someone wrong is the second the conversation just shuts down. Now, wrong is a really loaded term. Even as a coach, I never use the words right and wrong. I'll say effective and ineffective. Is this working for you or is it not working for you? If it's working for you, keep doing what you're doing. I don't judge it. But if it's not working for you, perhaps there's another way to go about it. Um, this is a good rule of thumb for life, right? You, you could talk about politics, the idea of making someone wrong. When someone attacks me for being liberal, I've had a couple conservative friends attack me for being liberal, and immediately dismisses my opinion as stupid and irrelevant, that doesn't really open up the channels for 
discussion, certainly not intelligent discussion, um, an exchange of ideas, the ability to listen, concede the validity of someone's point of view, see where they're coming from. It's pretty much, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. We're starting from that place. I'm right and you're wrong. So what are we going to do now? Right. No one deals well with being told they're wrong, which is, again, why I often find that I incite unintentional controversies. I say things that contradict someone else's beliefs or narrative. I am uh, unintentionally making you feel wrong. And so the, the inclination is for people to you know, uh, lash back and try to attack uh, me or my character or something like that. And again, this is never a matter of right and wrong. If you are sleeping with a guy and, you know, on the first date every time and it's working for you and you're in a great relationship, then my, my advice to hold out until he's your boyfriend is kind of irrelevant. I'm not making you wrong. Just do what you got to do. Just don't complain that you keep on sleeping with guys where it doesn't work out. So making someone wrong from the get-go is a recipe for communication disaster, right? So I'm only pointing out how infuriating it is when someone makes you wrong, right? So it's not that your boyfriend forgot to text you while he was out. It's that he's a selfish bastard who doesn't care about how you're feeling. Uh, it's not that he could have been more attentive when you were telling him uh, your 25-minute story about your work meeting from hell. It's that he's a shitty listener and uh, uh, is completely inattentive to your needs. Um, it's not that he could be more sensitive when you started crying about chipping your pedicure. It's that he's a douchebag who has absolutely no empathy whatsoever. It's, these things get blown out of proportion, right, and it become a, an attack on someone's personal character rather than a minor lapse in judgment, opinion, or communication. And I, I brought up the pedicure thing for a reason. That actually happened to me. It happened to me early in my relationship. My wife, when she was my girlfriend, chipped her toes and this is my, my, like, the happiest, like, she mentally, like, lives in Disneyland. The happiest, sanest, most easygoing person in the world who's got a little bit of OCD chipped her toenails after a pedicure and tears started to come out of her eyes because she was so upset. She was wearing open-toed shoes for some event and this was a big deal and she didn't have time to get it fixed. I was a 35-year-old single guy at the time and I did exactly what a guy should not do. I told her not, to not make a big deal about it, and I laughed. Um, in this case, I was wrong. But why was I wrong? Because I made her wrong for feeling her feelings. Right? Now, one could step back objectively and say you shouldn't, you know, just you shouldn't cry over spilt milk, you shouldn't cry over chipped toenail polish. It seems like a disproportional response. But the fact that, I, that my first reaction was, it's no big deal, stop crying, was the wrong boyfriend reaction. And again, it was 35-year-old Evan, and I'm 44-year-old Evan now. Right. Um, I wasn't able to understand her feelings. I didn't get it. Right. But now I do. And that is growth. And that is called empathy. And that is what people lack in relationships. Your boyfriend really doesn't understand you and your feelings and why you get triggered the way you do. And part of what I'm trying to draw attention to is the fact that you don't exactly understand him either. Right? If you're going to be a great girlfriend, you have to be the person who's in his corner. Right? And whatever he's feeling, if he's crying about his chipped toenail polish, metaphorically speaking, you have to try to get in there and figure out why. Why is he acting this way? Why is he feeling this way? Try to see things from, him, from his perspective instead of immediately labeling him wrong for thinking about the same thing differently than you do. 
I got an example of this. There, there's this never-ending Facebook post um, that feeds into things I talk about on my blog, and the, the topic is why men look at other women. The responses continue to astound me. Um, I, I have to admit, like I, like I, it makes me scratch my head, and I try to wrap myself around it and put myself in these women's point of view. The shortest version of this is that men look at attractive women. I look at women. My wife looks at women if they're attractive. Sometimes she points them out to me. Sometimes I point them out to her. Sometimes I point out attractive men when there's some guy who's really cut. Right? I'm equal opportunity. But the point is, in our relationship, we're really happily married. No one's remotely threatened by the presence of some attractive person walking by, some glancing nod. And yet, on my blog and on my Facebook page, I'm constantly reminded that this is the most disgusting and disrespectful behavior in the entire world. Right? Because evidently, a good man thinks that his wife is the hottest woman on the planet. He doesn't acknowledge the beauty of any other women. He doesn't watch porn. He doesn't have any female friends. And he doesn't keep in touch with exes. That's a good man. All are signs that he's low character, disreputable, disrespectful. Now, of course, this is not remotely true, nor is it remotely realistic. And if you think it's true, because that's your belief, you're entitled to your belief, you just end up eliminating a lot of guys. And there's, there's a problem with this, right? It's very black or white thinking if you're, you think that you're going to find a guy who sees the world exactly as you do and adheres to the rules that you have in your head. Right? A man who turns his head at some woman with fake double Ds is not necessarily on a slope, slippery slope to Cheaterville. Right? He's, he's not. He's just a guy with eyes. Right? It's like a guy walks in with a parrot on his shoulder. You've got to turn and look. It's, it's normal. Right? These are visual novelties. Right? Looking at someone is different than lechery. It's different than action. Right? Going to lunch with an ex and catching up is different than cheating and rekindling a relationship. Liking an attractive photo about a female friend on Facebook and issuing a, a compliment right, is not a threat to a healthy relationship. Jerking off a couple times a month to porn when, when you're not in the same city is not a threat to a relationship. It's not a porn addiction. It does not mean he doesn't find you attractive. So when we make guys wrong and lump you know, good guys in with bad guys, good guys who do these things in, in small ways, with guys who are cheaters, liars, pervs, selfish, awful people, you make them all one thing, you're really doing yourself, love, and men a disservice. And all of this feeds into this basic idea. When, when we talk about what's, what's the most basic thing you can do to bring out the best in your man, don't make him wrong. Um, Dr. Pat Allen, sort of a Los Angeles legend, uh, author of, of Getting to I Do, says, what's her, what's her phrase? She has these, these, these catchy phrases. Um, if you tell a man what to do and he listens, he's not really a man. Pat Allen's a little bit black and white. Right? But in general, the second you start to lecture him like his mom about what he should be doing, how do I make my boyfriend do X? You don't make him do anything. You choose a guy who 95% of the time does stuff that you can live with, the 5% of the time becomes uh, a discussion, a minimal negotiation, or at the very least an, an ability to agree to disagree, right? Because I might not have operated the exact same way, but I get it and I'm not going to make you wrong. And believe me, if it, if, if, it, if it stings when you hear this because you constantly make your boyfriend wrong, that's fine. I could assure you, you wouldn't want to be with a boyfriend who made you wrong, right? 
you have ice cream after dessert and he's a fit for, for dessert and he's a fitness expert and he starts lecturing you right or he's a neat freak who won't you know won't let you leave your laundry in the in the hamper for a, a day because it has to be folded or anytime someone makes you wrong and imposes their worldview on you it's really really annoying and it makes you feel pretty bad about yourself so in general, good dating advice is to seek to understand where someone's coming from. Right? That's not gender specific. Seek to understand instead of simply seeking to defend your original position. Why is he doing that? Why did he say that? How could, how could this good person that I love who wants to make me happy arrive at that conclusion? Right? And I can't tell you how many Love You graduates I've had who thanked me for teaching them about how men actually think so they don't get nearly as angry because they understand this is all within the pantheon of normal. A good boyfriend doesn't become a bad boyfriend overnight because he gets angry when you, you bark directions at him from the passenger seat, right? It just means he's human and, and you know, he had a, he had a momentary uh, lapse of road rage when you were yelling at him. I think m my wife and I have gotten into more fights in the car than outside the car in our 10 years together. So I've got so much more <laughs> that I want to say about this. I don't know how much time I have. Um, I do want to reiterate three tiny things that are actually not tiny things, but for, for the sake of brevity, we're talking about little tricks that are going to increase your closeness, increase your connection, and make your boyfriend want to stay forever. And this is, again, expanded upon in Love You, my course itself. Compliment him, trust him, and thank him. Right? Men want to be accepted, appreciated, and admired. It's really hard to claim that you're a great girlfriend if you don't let your boyfriend know that you think he's great, if you don't actually trust him to do the right thing, and you're always going to... Uh, openly question his integrity to his face, right? And if you don't appreciate the many things he's doing to try to make you happy, which is part of his job. And again, if he doesn't make you happy, dump him, that's fine. But if you're gonna maintain a relationship with a boyfriend, compliment him, thank him, and trust him, right? It's full trust or no trust. You can't partially trust your guy, right? It's you trust him the way you trust yourself to do the right thing, right? And he feels that, that warm embrace I trust you, I'm exhibiting the signs of unconditional love, I accept you as you are, right? That's gonna bring out the best in your guy. Right? More than anything that, any, that you've read in any woman's magazine, that's what's gonna bring out the best in your guy. So, put that in your pipe and smoke it. My name is Evan Marquez. Thank you for listening to me. Go on my little rants and tell my little stories. I love doing this, I hope you get something out of it. We will be back um, with another podcast next week. Uh, it's going to be about Beyonce, lemonade, cheating, and infidelity. Juicy stuff. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to hit the subscribe button below. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter. And most importantly, go to www.evanmarkkatz.com. Give me your name and email address, and I will send you free dating and relationship advice every single week. I will see you again next week. Thanks a lot.